They call it a hero sandwich because it saved me from a fire. This is 20 Questions Tuesday, the podcast where one guy asks another guy 20, 20 questions. questions. I'm David Reinstrom. And I'm David Brunel Brutman. What, what is, is up, up? Well, well, uh, not so long ago, we had a really touristy weekend in San Francisco. We went to the greatest art store in the world. Uh, which I really want to take you to. It's called Flax. That is a bold claim, my friend. Yeah. Uh, and we also went to Fisherman's Wharf, uh, which I kind of conflated with Pier 39, which is kind of like Navy Pier and... Uh, Wait. Times Square? Which one of them is so like Navy Pier? So Pier 39 is like Navy Pier slash Times Square. It's not great. It's like... Okay. The uh, here, here is the one thing that I really liked about Pier 39. Is Navy uh, Pier bad? Navy Pier, like Navy uh, Pier in Chicago? I, I, I'm not gonna say it's bad, but I'm gonna I was say there that it's, once, and I mean, I just like walked out to the end of it, and I was like, "Yep, yep, this is the lake," <laughs> and then walked back. Sure, but uh, is it like a thing, or is it is it like a really shitty tourist area? Yeah, but here's what's great about uh, about Pier 39 is that it has sea lions. Oh, I've seen these sea lions. Okay, okay, you know about them. Yeah, so there's just these, like, yeah, these little floating piers. Yeah, they smell. <laughs> oh, my goodness, do they smell. But what was fun is we saw the sea lions, and it was really misty and kind of cold, and we were watching them just sort of flop about and belch and do sea lion stuff, and that was cool. And then we went over to Fisherman's right. Wharf. Just sit there and create sea lion fumes. Yup. Yes, they did. We did that, and then we went over to Fisherman's Wharf, and we passed all the crabsmen, and we went to my new favorite place in And did you uh, say, San what Francisco. ho, good crabsmen? I did not. Well, missed opportunity. Crab, crabio, crabsmen. Yes. So then we went to the Hyde Street Pier, which is where the San Francisco Maritime Museum is, and we saw a bunch of bopes. Uh, you saw some bopes? Yeah. How many bopes did you see? Like a bunch. You saw a bunch of bopes? Yeah. David, tell me about all of the bopes that so, you saw. So, so, um, did I ever tell you about Dread? Did I tell you about this game, Dread? Dread is a, uh, a, a really lightweight horror RPG. Uh, okay. Where you don't have dice. You don't have character sheets. All you have is like a kind of a thin character questionnaire that is pre-written by the DM. Okay. Uh, and then the, and then the players fill out a questionnaire for each character to figure out what their character's deal is. And then the only, the way things are resolved is with a Jenga tower. Okay. There's a Jenga tower in the center of the table. And every time you try to do something where your life could be threatened. Oh no. You pull a thing, you pull a brick from the tower. And if you're successful, you live. And if you're unsuccessful, you bite it. Um, you're removed from the game somehow. So depending on the situation, you know, like if it's a vampire thing, you might get turned into a vampire or a werewolf or whatever. Well, does that mean you you can continue playing, but now your character is a vampire wolf? Well, now your character is like on the DM side and is trying to, you know, engineer more situations that could damage the players. Right. Cool. So it's one of the, it's like a fiasco, which is the game where you construct in real time, basically a Coen Brothers movie. I really want to do that too. And it's less, uh, it's it's less uh, an RPG in the strict kind of dice rolling sense as it is uh, an improv mechanic. 
it's like yeah. a way of, of generating an improv game, right? Yeah. It, so Dread is a similar kind of thing? Yeah. I, yeah, I would say so. The point is that I played a game of Dread a couple of weeks ago with some friends from work and with Jillian, and I did some kind of last-minute research, and I found I found out about the uh, the San Francisco Maritime Museum, mm-hmm. and I found out about this square square rigged like four masted sailing ship called the Balclutha. You found out about a big boat. I found out about a big boat called the Balclutha, which was uh, uh, righted in Glasgow in like 1886 cool. and served as the set for the Humphrey Bogart film Mutiny on the Bounty. Oh, uh, interesting. I haven't yeah, seen that one. So, uh, me neither, actually. But I set the, sh- the game on that ship. Uh, and so we had been talking about it for a while, so I was really curious to see the actual uh, Maritime Museum. Cool. It is a gorgeous boat. We also went to this place that I want to take you to called the Musée Mécanique, which is this collection of, um, I don't know, like a hundreds of antique uh, coin-operated machines and arcade games Ooh. and like Nickelodeon entertainments. It's wonderful. Yes, this sounds A, steampunk as shit, and mm-hmm. B, so up my alley that it's like they named the alley after me. Cool. It's like David Alley. So that's that's what's up with me. I wanted to ask you, so last last time we, um, I, I kind of extracted a promise from you that you would tell a, a what? story. What? No, you didn't. Yes, I did. About your grandfather. Oh, okay. I thought you meant a different promise. No, 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 no. We can never speak of this promise. We made a blood pact. No, shh, shut up. A blood, blood pact. That's the second time I've referenced blood pacts today. <laughs> Early, listeners, earlier before the show, I was talking all about blood pacts. What did I make a blood pact about? Hold on. Um, I don't know. It's episode 50, and you were like, oh, yeah, sweet, bro. Blood pact, bro. No, hold on. I've got to do that. I've got to find out exactly. We can cut this. I just if wanna... a vampire ran for elected office, do you think he or she would have a blood pack? Um, and that's how you play 20 nope. Questions Tuesday. <laughs> done with you. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. I can't stay mad at you. That's right. You can't quit me. I, I, I can't quit you. Uh, we learned the other day that uh, Annie Prue wrote the original short story that became Brokeback Mountain. One of my favorite authors. Yeah, that was interesting to me. And I've never seen the movie, nor read the story, but I did save it, so I guess I'll report back and let you know. Yeah, yeah. she's great. The The shipping news is fucking fantastic. I'm so glad you liked that book. I loved it. Man, I just sat, I, I read that on vacation. I just like sat down and read the whole thing over, you know, a few days. Mm-hmm. So good. So, so good. good. The, so good. Yeah, the, the way that she messes around with language is just delightful. And all of her character names following along from that. Yep. Totally delightful. Anyway, um, all right. So you extracted a, a promise from me that was not a blood pack. But a different a promise pack. to Correct. tell a story. What story? Um, uh, one of the excellent stories about your grandfather. Because I remember you used to tell these stories in school. Because we were talking about your grandfather and how he was kind of like a, 
He was kind of like a like a 1920s latchkey kid. Uh, yeah, he totally was. He, he would just bike over from like Cologne to whatever other small town was near it. Yeah. Did he grow up in Cologne? Yes, he did. Yeah. He, he was born so, and he grew up in uh, Cologne, Germany. And then so let, so let's get some let's get some background on your grandpappy. Uh, I have told, uh, I think I have told you a lot of Grandpa Carl stories over the years. You've told me. So the. Should I give, like, the summary of him, or should I just... I, I don't know I don't know what to... What, well, what's I the mean, best way your, to start? Your grandfather was a Jew that grew up in Cologne in, the, in Weimar, Germany. Yeah, okay, so... The, so, like, just, you know... The summary of my grandfather's life. Here's the hook for the future screenplay. Um, he was a German-Jewish kid who grew up in Cologne in the 20s. Uh, the Nazis came to power and his family fled the country. He ended up in the United States, uh, where he lived for a couple of years before he was drafted into the US Army and uh, was subsequently sent back to Germany as a US, as a United States American, what, what's the term I'm looking as an American soldier, uh, and then fought against the Nazis in France and Germany uh, in World War II. And retook Cologne, right? Uh, I kind like he went kind back of, to it. He went back to it at some I point. You did a, I remember you did a comic about it. Yeah, yeah. So they, um, uh, they, I mean, there was a bunch of stuff. Uh, initially, he was in the intelligence branch uh, of the the army uh, as a, I think, a radio operator of some sort, but. They kicked him out of that because they're like, oh, this guy is actually not a, he's technically a German citizen still. He's not, he's like a German national. So like, maybe we don't want him doing the codes, <laughs> but at the same time, like, all right, Jew and the Germans or the Nazis, it's not like, I don't see a strong it's conflict of interest. It's not the biggest liability. Yeah. Yeah. But they're like, oh, nope. You're you have to go somewhere else, and the somewhere else that he went is uh, he got reassigned to a, a tank battalion, and he ended up the commander of a scout tank. Uh, in and I in remember France this one. I remember this photo. Can you tell them about the photo? Oh well, the best photo of him is uh, he's standing in front of his tank. Uh, and I think at this point he is a lieutenant. Uh, he he was drafted as an enlisted guy, but he uh, eventually got up to into the the officer corps. Is that how you say it, officer corps? He he made officer times later. Uh, maybe he he got a commission. He got a commission. That sounds good. So either he was I don't know if he's a, a sergeant in this. Or uh, if he had he had gotten a commission as an officer yet, but uh, he's standing in front of his tank next to one of the guys who was under his command, either as a sergeant or an officer, and it's this like giant strapping American man, just like the biggest goddamn yeah, like Iowan you've ever huge, seen, right? Like this huge Midwestern-looking dude. You know, in the full World War II combat gear, standing next to my grandfather, who's this, like, little skinny guy. His helmet, like, doesn't really fit him. <laughs> and he's just, like, he's just, like, dwarfed by this man. 
but god damn it, he was in charge of that guy. So, so I asked you to tell me the tank story, but you told me that there were a couple of, of tank stories, because obviously there was, he was a tank commander, but I was thinking of... Yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of tank stories, because he was in the tank. Okay. I will, I will tell you a few select tank stories. Here's two... I am ready. Here are two tank stories. I am ready for these tank stories. Tank story number one. Boop. So, uh, my grandfather, he commands a scout tank. It's like a light tank. They're small. It's not like, you know, one of these big giant tanks. It's like a little light maneuverable tank that goes ahead of the column and checks sure. to see if there are dudes. And if there are dudes, then uh, probably what you do is you run back and you talk to the other guys about the dudes but if you need to you shoot the dudes with your small tank gun so the dudes with your small tank gun so the they're in a convoy scout tanks are at the head of the thing including my grandfather's tank and his tank breaks down uh on the on the side of the road somewhere in france and uh, at this point, we're getting pretty close to the end of the war in Europe. Uh, things are not going great for the Germans. Things are going great for the Americans. Yay, America. Yay. So this is important because what happens is the tank breaks down and uh, they need to stop and repair the tank. So the crew gets out and they're fixing the tank and my grandfather uh, takes his his sidearm and he goes uh, a little ways ahead to check what's up the road. And he rounds a bend and there are something like five to ten Nazi soldiers. <laughs> and Wait, Nazi soldiers or just like Wehrmacht uh, soldiers? German soldiers. They're probably just Wehrmacht guys. I, I should not I should not conflate the general German population with the, you know, the Nazis. But the German soldiers. So he rounds the corner, and there are like five to ten German soldiers standing there. And he stops, and they stop, and what the fuck is gonna happen? Holy shit! Well, here's what happens. All of the Germans drop their weapons and raise their hands to surrender to the American who's just come around the corner because they're done with the war. And so he's like, well, and he pulls out his sidearm and points at the guys and he's like, all right, in German, you're all coming with me and takes them back. And so so what, what his crew saw was their their commander walked up the road, rounded the bend, and then marched back like five to ten German soldiers that he had captured. How how long did it take, do you think? Was he just like gone five minutes? Like, oh excuse me, I'm just going up the road to get some, you know, get some milk. And then he comes back, I got more than milk. Yeah, like the way he tells it, it did not take very long. Like he just he just went around the bend and there were the Germans and they surrendered to him as soon as they saw him. So that's tank so, story number one. Tank story number two. Tank story number two. Uh, so this is 
just after the Allies had won the war. Uh, so the, the it was a big deal when so the Russians were pushing in from the east and the Americans were pushing from from uh, the west and they met in the middle in Germany and this was a big deal because the the two Allied forces met in the middle so that was like you know all right we did it vice vice grip accomplished we crushed him sure um, so naturally when the Americans and Russians met. They celebrated. They had a big party. And the night after the two forces met, uh, all the American troops and all the Russian troops got together and they, like, took over, you know, abandoned local barns. And they ate and drank. And the Russians had with them uh, something that the Americans uh, were not familiar with at this point in history, which was vodka. Uh And copious amounts of it. And the Americans, having never encountered vodka, didn't really like get it. They're like, "Oh, okay, it's some, it's some clear liquor. It's probably, you know, it's just, it's all watered down. It's probably pretty harmless." And oh no, the Russians drank them under the table. Uh, for some period of time, uh, they weren't totally out because what happened later is a number and my grandfather was there uh he did not participate in this next part he claims he claims uh so what happened subsequently is after the americans (laughs) consumed these copious amounts of vodka uh one of the tank crews decided that uh, they could definitely drive the tank back to the base Oh, like no. no big deal. They could definitely make it back. <laughs> and so all of these drunk ass Americans just drunk off their minds on vodka get into their tank and they try to drive it back to base and they take this like crazy meandering path through the woods and they like oh, knock no. over a shed and take out <laughs> part of a farmhouse. And the tank comes back to base, and there's like several clotheslines trailing off it that got caught on the tank as sure. they were going through. <laughs> and they just, they basically ended up in a ditch at the American base. That's amazing. And then they're like, well, that was successful. Let's all go to sleep now. <laughs> I assume. I, 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 don't have, I don't have exact verification on that last part. So good. So those are two tank stories. Those are good tank stories. Yes. Uh, you can hear the rest of my tank stories in my upcoming book, uh, Tank Stories. Coming mm, this fall. Well, thanks very much for that, Dave. Would you like to play some 20 Questions Tuesday now? Uh, thank you for asking. I will accept your offer. All right, let's go over the rules. Read to me the rule numbers. Oh, my goodness. Rule number one. I will think of a thing. Rule number two. David will ask only yes or no questions to narrow down the nature of the thing. Rule number three. If David exceeds 20 questions, the game and reality as we know it is over. No more than 20 questions are permitted. Rule number four. If David correctly guesses the thing in fewer than 20 questions, he wins the game, and we all get to live for another week. Rule number five. 
You may pick one battle cry at the start of play. This must be yelled at the top of your lungs before each attack. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Then Dave, you may ask your first question. All right. First question. Let's yeah. do it. Got to do Let's it upright. Yeah. Got to think of the best question. Question think number one. Mm, uh, uh, is it Bopes? It's not Bopes. Mm. Uh, is it a reptile? Uh, it is not a reptile. All right. Is it inanimate? It is animate. Mm. Does it respire? Uh, yeah, I suppose it breathes, sure. Uh, does it have lungs? Probs. Mm. Is it an animal? Partially. Partially? Is it a cyborg? No. Is it uh, an organization? No, it is not an organization. Is it a hive mind? It is not a hive mind. That's the sound of the hive mind connecting, it's reaching its tendrils into your brain to assimilate gross, you into gross. the hive mind. Don't want it. Well, too bad, too late. I want it. Yep. Thank you for that. So it's a living animal. It's partially a living animal. Is it more than one living animal? No, it is one. It is one animal. Okay. It's one animal. Is it an animal that I know the name of? Uh, yes. Not the general name, the personal name. The, uh, the personal name? No, you do not. Well, it's kind of one and the same. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, is this an animal that I have encountered in my real life? No. Is it scary? Yes. Like, really scary? That's the entire idea behind it. Oh, geez. Is it spiders? It is not spiders. Um, <laughs> Presumably you've encountered spiders. I, you know, here's the weird thing. I've never seen a spider. <laughs> I, fuck all if I know how that happened. It's it's what it's even? all this helicopter parenting, insulating our kids from spiders. What even are spiders? I, nobody like knows. Snack? Is it a bird? Nobody knows. No, I, I, we we may never know. Science. If only there was some way if, for us to know. Yeah, science is unable to what answer is this a question. Our best mathematicians <laughs> cannot cannot do it. Wish I knew what spiders were. All right, let's get off this. No, it's not that. This is this bit is gold. Fuck you. <laughs> All right, it's um, so it's an animal that I have not encountered, but I know what it is. Yes. Uh, would you find it in a zoo? No. Wait, n like there's no zoo that would have one of these. No. Not an aquarium. No, it is not in capti captivity. For a very particular reason. Okay. It's too big to capture. No. It's too small to capture. Also no. It's medium-sized, and they have stupidly gotten a net with medium-sized holes. Nope. Mm. Could, you, could it fit in a net? Uh, what size net? Like a butterfly net. Uh... Part of it could, probs, but no. It could, like, get its butt in a butterfly net? Um, part of it, yeah, I guess. 
part of its butt. I mean, probably most of its butt. Maybe it's right. Is it bigger than a person? It's probably a little taller than a person, yeah. Mm. Is it, um... Uh, is it fictional? Is it yeah. mythological? Well... Yeah, mythological. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's fictitious. I mean, because... it lives inside us all. Oh, wait. Is it Dennis, the man who gives me my bagel every morning? <laughs> Because he keeps he keeps bending over and whispering to me that he lives inside me. No, it's not Dennis. Oh, hmm. Maybe I should stop going to that bagel place. <laughs> okay, it's slightly bigger than a person, mm-hmm. and it it is um. Va- it's kind of imaginary. Fuck, Dave. Children might be listening to this podcast. Um. All right, it's, it's real. He's real. Okay, it's something that we have agreed to lie to our children about. Correct. Is what I'm gathering. Correct. We as a society have agreed to lie to our children about this animal. Yes. It's the Easter Bunny. It is not. Um, it's the Wester Bunny. <laughs> no. Mm, no. No. I'm gonna take that back. That wasn't very good. <laughs> I don't feel good about that one, and I don't like it. You're on the you're on the nose though with a holiday animal. Okay, so it's Santa. It's not Santa. It's Krampus. It is Krampus. I am thinking of the Krampus. Oh dear, David. Please, for the listeners at home that are unaware of this wonderful Austrian tradition, what is the Krampus? All right. So here's why we needed to defeat the Germans in World War II. <laughs> This, so, in the United States, in the United States, parents are like, Hey, kids, if you're good, Santa will come and bring you presents on Christmas. In uh, German-speaking countries, parents sit their kids down and they're like, Hey, kids, if you're good, Santa will bring you presents on Christmas. But if you're bad, Krampus will come. (laughs) And Krampus What does Krampus do? He's basically Christmas Satan. He's he's a Christmas-themed demon. Yes. Uh, who I believe has a face of wood. They have these, like, uh, Krampus Day parades uh, in certain German towns where people have these elaborately carved wooden masks that they put on, and they're, like, scary-looking demon faces with horns, and they run around. I think they're, like, covered in fur they have like these fur costumes. And they mm-hmm. run around, and they're like, "Ah, oh, I'm Krampus." And My understanding Krampus... is that he doesn't necessarily have a wood face, but he does kind of look like a goat demon, or he's got like long horns. Yeah, yeah. Long There's... horns and and big clawed hands and hoofed feet. Hoofed feet. Yes. And and uh, if you're bad, he steals you. He, he picks you up in his sack and he takes you to hell. Yep. Just straight to the netherworld. So there are these wonderful Austrian Christmas cards that say... This is how Christmas works (laughs) in Central Europe. (laughs) That say, just von Krampus. And it's like this terrifying demon, and he's carting off like a bunch of children. Anyway, I'm thinking of that dude. Oh, man, I'm glad we won that war. (laughs) So We would all have to be telling our children about Krampus. Which, well, well uh, you and I wouldn't. We'd be dead. Yeah. Oh, we we'd would. be very dead. We'd be very dead. Anyway, 
You're thinking of Krampus, the Christmas demon. I am thinking of Krampus, the Christmas demon. Because, Dave, this is our Christmas episode! Holy shit, who knew? Who would have guessed that our middle of December episode would be Christmas themed? Fa, 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 fa. Well, as we all know, Christmas begins uh, November 1st now. So, <laughs> it literally does. Dude, here's what ha- here's what I did. What'd you do? I mean, this shouldn't even be surprising anymore. Like it's 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 hacky to even talk about this, but it's real. It's a real life situation that happened to me as as printed in the pages of Cosmo. That's a thing that they do, right? Real life situations that happened to me. Sure. That's a column in Cosmo. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Okay, good. So right after entirely impractical sex tips. Yes. Turn your, twist your boyfriend's dick into a pretzel. He'll love it. Put a donut on your tit. We don't know why. <laughs> I actually wait. So October thirty first, yeah. right? Halloween. Yes. Um, I'm I'm hanging out with Jenny, and we decided to not do any Halloween stuff. We went up the Empire State Building. Sure. Because she'd never done that before. Don't ask. We just did it. And so we're going back home after, and I'm like, man, it's the night of Halloween. I bet if we stop in the 24-hour Dwayne Reed, they're going to have some discount Halloween candy. Oh, because yeah. who the shit is going to buy Halloween candy now? Like, as soon as Halloween hits, boom, that shit is on sale. It's hollow worthless. Yep. So uh, I'm like, this is a genius plan. So we stop in uh, a Dwayne Reed, and I go to the the like seasonal section, and I look at all the candy. And I'm like, huh, none of this really looks discounted to me. All right, I'll just come back tomorrow and check again. Mm-hmm. And I came back the next day, November first. And all of that Halloween candy that I had seen had been replaced with Christmas candy. No. Yes, overnight. Oh man, it was remarkable. It was it was like a it was like a, a Christmas magic trick, but not the fun kind. Nope. So uh, Christmas begins November first. So anything that we release between November first and oh fuck it. The Rockefeller Center tree is up until, like, January 6th. <laughs> Anything we release between November 1st and January 6th, legitimately allowed to be Christmas-themed. Suits me. This is what our society has come to. I hope you fuckers are happy. That's why I like Thanksgiving, is because it's a buffer against Christmas creep. It was, but it isn't anymore. <laughs> Who knows what the buffer is now? Labor Day. Oh, God. <laughs> Holiday reality is collapsing around me. The previous year's Christmas. <laughs> so, this Christmas is our Christmas comes episode. Once a year, because it lasts 364 days. Okay, so I'm thinking about Krampus. What because is, this is our Christmas episode. What is Krampus doing? He's cramping somebody's style, probably. Nah. He's uh, he's got cramps. He does not have Krampuses. All right. He's, is he doing Krampus stuff, which is to say kidnapping children? Uh, no, he is not kidnapping children. 
Hmm. Is this not during the Christmas season? Um. Is it his off time? It is his off time, yes. When he goes back to, oh, I don't know, the Black Forest to live? Sure. Let's does that sound, yeah. Does that sound right? Or maybe like one mysterious mountain peak in the Alps. Mm, yeah, he lives in a cave in the Alps. Yeah. I like that. All right. So he goes back to his cave in the Alps. So it's his, it's the off season. He's not Krampusing it up. He's sure. just He's just living his regular life like a regular dude mm-hmm. who, who does regular things. Is he right. doing something regular? Uh, sure. Not everybody does this, but this is a thing that is done by people. Is he buying milk? He is not buying milk. Mm. It's a little bit less prosaic than buying milk. Okay. But this is an activity that human beings do. It's not that weird. Okay. Is he engaging in some sort of, is it some sort of physical activity? Like a sport? No, it's not a sport. Or, or exercise. Yeah. Or like a, um, like a marathon. No. Mm. That would be funny to watch, though, because Krampus has, like, chains, like, broken chains on his wrist because he's, like, escaped from hell. So he's... Like, Is that actually clomp, part of the clomp, thing? Jingle, jingle. Yeah, traditionally, Krampuses have broken chain links attached to their wrists and shackles. Good God. Yeah. <laughs> it's for kids. Central Europe. Um... Okay, is it like a um, uh, an intellectual activity of some kind? Does it involve the mind? Sure. I mean, like uh, like chess or learning to speak Spanish. No, it's not. It's not a. It's, it's not, not enriching. That kind of pursuit of self enrichment. I mean, you could say it's enriching, but it's not. It's not like meditative or studious. Hmm. Uh, is he cooking something? No. Um, is he? <clears throat> is it fun? Is what he's doing fun? Totally. Is it fun for everybody, or is it just fun for Krampus? It's everybody. It's fun for everybody that's participating in the doing of it. Okay. Um, uh, are there any particular, are there any, like, special tools involved? There are. Okay. Um, is he making something? He is making a thing. Okay. He's making something, but the thing he is making is not a food. No, it's not a food. Um, is he building something? No. Is it some sort of art work, arts and crafts? It's not an arts and crafts, but it is. He is making some kind of art, yeah. Okay. He's making Krampus art. Is he painting? He is not painting. Sculpting. Nope. Um, uh, is he is he shooting video? He is not shooting video. Is he performing in some way? He is performing in some way. Is he singing? Sure, he sings. Uh, is he dancing? Uh, he might dance a little. Is he in a play? He's not in a play. He he might dance a little. Mostly, he's singing. Is he in a band? He is in a band. Oh dear. So he doesn't just sing. Right, he plays an instrument. Yeah. Uh, drums? No. Bass guitar? No. A horn? No, 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 you had it almost. Mm, uh, He's a demon. What kind of instrument does a demon play? A glockenspiel? No. The accordion? No, stop it. 
You're a giant hairy demon. You're the front man of your band. What kind of instrument do you play? All right, so Krampus is in a metal band, and he sure. plays an axe. Yes, he plays a sick cherry red electric guitar. Fuck yeah. Uh, I wasn't going to say that it was a metal band. I was kind of imagining it was a rockabilly band. Okay. So, so we've got Krampus, and he's recording a rockabilly album with his band. I need you to tell me three things. Oh, dear. Number one, what's the name of the band? Number two, uh, what's the title of the album? And number three, what does the cover of this album look like? I'm never going to get any of this. How am I supposed to even begin? <laughs> Fuck. All right. Uh, is, the, is the name of the band a dumb pun? Uh, no, but it is a reference. Uh, it's a, is it a reference to Krampus? Sort of, yeah. Is it a reference to Christmas? Sure. Um, hmm. Is is it a play on the name of an existing band? No, but what I'll tell you is that the name of the band is called Krampus and the Blank. Like his backing band has a name. Okay. So it's Krampus and the Cramps. No. Krampus and the Child Stealers. Sort of. Krampus and the Snatchers. Ooh, that's good. Um, but it's more like the Snatchies. Oh, his, wait, his fellow band members are children who he's kidnapped to Correct. be in his band. Correct. Okay. They're pretty good, too. So Krampus and the fucking kidnapped children? I don't know. No, they're kind of into it now. They're owning their identities. Krampus, as... Krampus and the Krampettes. No. So, so okay. So if you're a good kid... Santa brings you sweets and whatever, right? Right. But if you're a bad kid, Krampus takes you away. Yes. How does Santa divide up those kids traditionally? Um, uh, he has a list, which I believe he checks a certain number of times. Correct. I, I'm not exactly sure the number. Uh, I will get back to you on that. Sure. Might be three times. <laughs> Okay, so it's Krampus and the the Naughty List. That's the one! The band okay. is called Krampus and the Naughty List. Okay, okay. I, I'm getting this. Okay. I'm getting there. So this, so Krampus and the Naughty List is a rockabilly band. They're recording a record in a cave in Austria, in the Alps or whatever. Okay. What's the title of this record? What does the album look like? What does the cover look like? Okay, is the title a dumb pun no okay is it also christmas themed it is not christmas themed mm. okay but it is related to the band sure like does it does it reference the band in any way what do you mean well like does it reference the fact that it is a band made up of krampus and a bunch of kids who he's stolen uh no I'm going to say this is maybe their third or fourth album. Okay. Uh, is it important to the title that it is a rockabilly? Uh, no. Uh, album? No. Okay. So you asked if it was a Christmas album. I said no. Yes. But that doesn't necessarily mean it might not be another holiday album. Okay. But what holiday would Krampus like more than Christmas? I'm not saying he likes it more than Christmas. Just that he wrote an album about it? Yeah, they're doing a, they're trying to break into a different market. Hmm, okay. 
Uh, does it have to do with Christmas creep? Uh, it doesn't have to do with Christmas creep. Okay. I mean, well, I. Uh, I guess, I guess, in that sense, yes. It, w- it which is to say, happen. which is to say, is is Krampus uh, a Christmas character infringing on a Christmas adjacent holiday that uh, will someday be swallowed whole by Christmas? I would not call as though it never existed. I would not call this holiday Christmas adjacent. No. Okay. Is it Christmas opposite? Yeah. Is it is it the opposite of Christmas? It is an antipodean holiday to Christmas. Okay. If Christmas and this holiday got together, they would form a holiday block that would be sort of like the the Boston to Baltimore metroplex. Wow. That's hardcore. Mhm. But it is not a December ween holiday. <laughs> it is not a December ween holiday. Okay. Is it a religious holiday? Yes. Is it Easter? Yes, it is Easter. So... So I'll just give it to you. Okay. It's a very Krampus Easter. A very Krampus Easter. That fucker, he's trying to take over. (laughs) This is unacceptable. So, uh, what does the cover of the record look like? I'm... All right. Here here are the options that I have that, that... spring to mind for me. Yeah, spring to mind. Uh-huh. All right, it's either it's Krampus dressed as the Easter Bunny, which is to say a hideous Germanic demon in an adorable bunny suit. Okay. Um, or, or maybe it's Krampus fighting the Easter Bunny <laughs> or destroying the Easter Bunny in some fashion, or Krampus on an Easter egg hunt. It is the first one. Oh, it hey. Is, it is Krampus uh, dressed up in an absurdly small, like the, but his the ears are poking up kind of back and behind uh, because of his enormous horns. Right. They fit into the, but, right. but his horns poke through the bunny ears. And he's got a little basket of, of Easter eggs and also a guitar and he's standing in front of a hot rod. Oh yeah, hot rod. <laughs> he drives that hot rod up and down the Alps. <laughs> just just doing wheelies off mountains. So, uh, I mean, Krampus the, is, yeah. he's one of the immortals, right? He can't die in a hot rod accident. I don't think he can. Fuck yeah, hot rodding up and down the Alps. <laughs> Gonna do some sick jumps. So, are you? Have we talked about this? Have you? Are you familiar with uh, the Brian Setzer Orchestra? I've never heard of this, oh. and I never will. Goodbye. Click. Oh. Tell me the, about the Brian Setzer like a, Orchestra. They're like a swing revival rockabilly band from the '90s. Okay. Uh, they they're the people that did the Jump Jive and Whale song. Ah. Uh, uh, that cover. Okay. Um, but they also did a couple of uh, of Christmas albums. Hmm. Like Boogie Woogie Christmas and Dig That Crazy Christmas. Dig That Crazy Christmas. Guess who did the cover art for both of those records? Is somebody I would know? Yeah, friend of the show, Rich Wentworth. What? Yeah. No shit. Yeah, no shit. Friend of the show, Rich Wentworth. Yeah, so like uh, Brian Setzer Orchestra, Dig That Crazy Christmas, has Santa 
like a like a young hip Santa in a sleeveless Santa vest. I said I need to see this. Yeah, okay. Said this to me immediately. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's sort of like a retro 50s comic book looking thing. We got a we got like a hip rockabilly Santa with a sleeveless uh, sleeveless Santa vest and leather pants and shit kicking boots and a uh, and he like is a... and he is devastatingly skinny. <laughs> That's important. Yes. All right, I'm I'm sold. I'm convinced now. Good on you, Rich. So. That's kind of what it looks like. In my mind, Rich has done the illustration for this record. <laughs> you hear me, Richard? <laughs> All right, so what you're saying is you have constructed a scenario in which you have inadvertently demanded <laughs> that friend of the show, Rich Wentworth, uh, draw an album cover. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. So, Dave, what was I thinking of? All right. So this week, David, yes, you were thinking yes. of Krampus, a Germanic Christmas demon, forming a band mm-hmm. with the, uh, the bad children who he has kidnapped, a band called Krampus and the Naughty List. Correct. They play rockabilly, and they uh, have released their new album, A Very Krampus Easter. Was that yes. what it was? That is exactly what it was. A very Krampus Easter, uh, the cover of which shows Christmas demon Krampus uh, squeezed into a tiny Easter bunny suit with a basket of eggs. Uh, wait, was it eggs? Yeah, basket of Easter eggs. Basket of Easter eggs in front of a hot rod. Wow! Except more like. See, Dave. That's why I decided to have the music under the show be Billy Muir music. You slick son of a bitch. Boom. It's Boom. almost like you knew what you were thinking of <laughs> the whole time. Yes, I did, didn't I? So, let's go over to the Scoratorium. Boom! And see how you did. Let's do it. As you can see, I've got kind of a spooky looking Christmas, like a spooky Christmas thing going on. Mm-hmm. What I like about what I like about Krampus is that he keeps the Halloween in Christmas. Right. It's it's kind of it's kind of the original Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Except it's a nightmare on Christmas because he's a nightmare. Yes. He's gonna take your children. Well, I didn't need those kids anyway. <laughs> All right. So Dave, you got this twenty questions Tuesday challenge in whoa, nineteen questions. Ooh, right oh. up to the wire. Oh man, if you'd done it in like twenty one, Krampus would have got you. Holy you shit! Got, got. Wait, do I count as children? <laughs> I did not realize that I was a children's. You'll always be a children's to me and to Krampus. Oh. Well, that's lucky. I'm glad that I did not have to go live with Krampus in the Alps and drive around in his sweet hot rod and play in his band. You know, the more I say this, the cooler it sounds. Yeah. Friends, if you want us to drive around in the Austrian Alps in a hot rod playing sweet licks, trading hot licks with Krampus, the Christmas demon, then get on up on that iTunes store and give us a sweet review. Give us the Christmas gift of a five-star rating. 
we can use the we can convert those stars into hot rod points, which mm-hmm. we can spend at Hot Rod City to buy our Christmas Krampus hot rod. You know the trouble with Hot Rod City is they only take hot rod points. They will not take dollars or gold bullion, just points. And the only way for us to get points, your ratings and reviews. It's the only way. So just just slide on over to iTunes. Just drive your hot rod on over to iTunes. I, I mean, I guess if you have a hot rod, though, you could just give us the hot rod. Yeah, that'd be fine, too. You know what? This is complicated. Go to iTunes, if oh. you so desire. Uh, leave us a star review. That helps us a lot. Or, uh, if you're feeling extra, super special helpful, you can write out a review, and we will thank you personally, mm. by name, True. on the show. We're going to do that now. Holy shit. David, who left us a review? Who do we need to thank? Username MelonRind says we are hashtag fantastic. Boom. MelonRind, I think you. you're hashtag fantastic. You're the best hashtag fantastic hashtag sibling a hashtag fella could hashtag have. Oh, you cracked the code. I did crack the code. Well, thank you, MelonRind. Uh, whoever you are whoever yes whoever the hell you are we'll never know what a mystery Uh, you're awesome thank you for the review and ladies and gentlemen if you want that kind of love coming at your ears just leave us a review you can get at us on the facebook's just go to facebook.com slash 20 questions tuesday bug us on twitter we're Two zero questions twos T U E S, and you can visit our website, which is twenty questions Tuesday dot com, and that's how you play twenty questions Tuesday. Our theme song is Blood Meridian by Curlew, licensed under a Creative Commons three license. The music you heard under the show this week was by the late great Billy Muir. Yeah, licensed through arrangement with his estate. Check out the music of his extremely talented granddaughter Emily at emilymuir.com. You can buy her most recent album, M's Holiday Song Sampler, at her Bandcamp page, emilymuir.bandcamp.com. That's Muir, as in M-U-R-E. Up next, stay tuned for Spank Factory with Roscoe Spankenhauer. I'm David Reinstrom. And I'm David Brunel Brutman. Good night! And Merry Christmas! Merry Merry Krampsmas. Merry Krampus! <laughs> <laughs>